Hi friends, I'm Tierney. I'm Keeney. And I'm Shelby. And we're Dead Dead Drunk. Guess who's back, 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 back again, again, again. Shelby's back. Stop. Back, He'll back, for sure sue us. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> He'll write a diss track about us. Ooh, that would be amazing. Ooh, imagine our theme song in the background of an Eminem diss track. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Eminem, hit us up. You stupid If you want to collab. <laughs> so, how was your week, guys? It was pretty okay. Yeah. Yeah. Katie, how was your week? I fucking hiked and climbed a mountain and it was seven seven miles. It was fucking wild. Also, wow. I don't know why I did this. Well, it was a surprise. My sisters don't know like that I'm very paranoid, but we stayed at a bed and breakfast, which was really nice. And we got there and we were the only people there. <laughs> and this fucking big ass, this big ass <coughs> dude answers the door and he was just like, hey, what do you three young women doing in the woods all alone and i was just like (laughs) we're not alone we have our men with us they're coming soon (laughs) it goes fucking wild but it ended up being amazing so well that's good i'm glad you didn't get murdered i used to stay in a lot of airbnbs all the time and this summer i went to cape cod and for some reason like this airbnb just like didn't sit right with me and i started thinking i guess maybe it's because like the last time before this i stayed in airbnb like i wasn't this into crime and like thinking about it all the time but this time i was like sitting there in my bed and i was like hmm what if the airbnb host like wants to murder us because they know the code to get in so like they could do it and like ours just kept popping in our room because he had the key and apparently like the thermostat was there and, like, he wouldn't do while we were there, which was really lucky. But, like, just knowing he was around all my shit is super weird. And Yeah, that's... He made terrifying. a killer breakfast in the morning, guys. Like, <laughs> if, if, like, I was eating it. And I was just like, you know what? If this is the thing that's going to kill me, I'm okay with it. Because it was phenomenal. A killer breakfast, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't that bad. And it was fun. Mm. And it was for my birthday. Yay. Which is at the end of the month. Guys, remember. Happy almost birthday. Thanks. I'll be in England. We're going to miss you. Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week we have a little twist because Shelby is going to tell us about our cocktail. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready to rock? She's going to pretend to be. Hold on me. to your hats, kids, because right. here comes a Katie impression by Shelby. Woo. What you're going to do is. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end. Could you tell that it was me? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this week's drink is a jello shot. It's a Carolina Panthers jello shot. Which just means it's in the colors of the Carolina Panthers. So what you're going to do is first get some plastic shot glasses. Or I got these really cool plastic things with lids so I could stack them because I'm, I just think like that. I'm like trying to think of what these things are called or like what. They're like little sauce containers. Yeah. They look like if you were to get. Yeah. Like salad dressing on the side or something. Or like what your duck sauce comes in and your takeout sometimes when they don't put it in the. Package in the package. I was gonna say I usually get packets of dust, duck sauce, but oh. that's okay. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. 
Yeah. Like so, a blue cheese with your wings. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that was perfect. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it's what blue cheese comes in, but this doesn't involve blue cheese at all. So unfortunately. <laughs> Next so then, time the white layer should the white layer should be blue cheese instead of milk. Okay, oh, <laughs> oh, gross! No. Why would you even say that? Because <laughs> I'm a blue cheese. All right, I'm guys. A blue cheese bitch. So it's gonna be a fun little episode. We're kicking tyranny off. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, please. So, stay. what you're gonna need is blue Jello. I can't remember the flavor, but it's probably raspberry lime Jello, which is green, and grape Jello, which is obviously purple. And then black food coloring, if you want it. I wasn't even going to begin to look for that. So I just mixed blue and red together until you get the darkest possible shade that you can get. And it looks like black. Yeah. It came out pretty good. It looks enough like black. Like We're, nobody's going to be like, that's not black. Just so everyone yeah. knows, the case hasn't started, but we've already downed about three jello shots now. It's like, okay. It's okay. Don't talk about it. It's fine. Never mind. Yeah. It's rude to count drinks, Katie. It's rude. I'm counting mine. Yeah, count your own. Keep your number to yourself. <laughs> so, That's, like when you go to a restaurant and they have like the calories on the menu, it's like you can keep that to yourself. Thank you. First, you're going to get your plastic shot glasses and you're going to put them in a muffin tin and you're going to tilt them 45 degrees. I didn't get out a protractor, you guys. Or just tilt them a little bit so they're slanted. And then make the blue jello and put some a sheet of gelatin in it and a cup of vodka yes and then you put it in those cups that are slanted and it'll come out you know slanted and then you put it in the fridge for half an hour then the white layer is milk sugar and gelatin trust me it's really good and vodka more vodka (laughs) and then you you tilt them the opposite way for that layer so that it comes out you know crisscrossed and then you make the black layer and you put that on top and that one should be filled all the way to the top of the shot glass or the sauce container or whatever you're using and then you put it in the fridge for another half hour or it says to leave them in for three hours but if you're you know like really thirsty or hungry or whatever you can definitely eat them after half an hour but three hours for them to perfectly set and then you know drink it get your buzz on Mm -hmm. yeah Chew, chew, chew your shot. Yeah, <laughs> they're a little. They've been in the fridge for a while, and they're kind of big, so we're like chewing them today. But that's fine. The vodka gets into into your body anyway. But they're lovely. I did not create this recipe. I got this off of a fuck em. You blog, did it. I believe, that really is into the Carolina Panthers. And this drink was a better choice than whatever Carolina Panthers punches, which just look like I don't know that blue Mountain Dew that comes from. Baja Blast. Yes. I fucking love Baja Blast. <laughs> yeah, but it looks super gross, and this one is much better, even though you got to put like a little bit of time in. It's delicious, so mm-hmm. you should definitely try it at home. It's fucking delightful, y'all. And if you try it, make sure to tag us on Instagram. Yeah, I'd love to see whatever you guys concoct. They're probably going to be great. Yeah, they're definitely going to be great. Um, so do we want to tell our friends why they're Carolina Panthers themed this week? Of course. Don't it's not me. just because football season has started and I won the first week of our fantasy football league. But Bye. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> it's okay. We don't know for sure that I'm going to beat you this week. <laughs> it's me. Isn't it me versus you this week? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun time. I'm going to enjoy watching you both 
fucking suffer. Thank you. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> Only one of us is going to suffer. The other one will be fine. Anyway, it's because our case today directly involves one of the Carolina Panthers' former wide receivers. So, let's get right into it. <laughs> Sweet. On November 15th, 1999, Sharika Adams was shot five times in her BMW on a secluded road in Charlotte, North Carolina. She managed to make a call to 911 just seconds after she was shot. The call lasted for 12 minutes, but we'll only play you a short clip of the call right now. 911, I've been shot. I've been shot. Where are you at, I'm eight months pregnant. How'd this happen? I was following my baby daddy right through my Where's he at? He's in the car in front of me, and he slowed down until I pulled up a sudden engine. And then where'd he go? He just left. I think he did it. I don't know what to think of. Okay. So I don't know how much of that you can hear or you could make out. Yeah, it was kind of like hard to understand because she seems so upset, yeah, I guess. She is, she's very frazzled. She's just been shot. And that's exactly what she tells the 911 operator. And then she tells her that she thinks her boyfriend might have had something to do with this. Oh, no. Her boyfriend, NFL player Ray Carruth. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And she directly names him in the 911 call, which is very important. But before we get into him... Let me tell you a little bit more about Sharika. Sharika Adams was born to Sandra Adams when she was just 17. After Sandra's graduation, her family encouraged her to pursue her college degree and took on the responsibilities of raising young Sharika. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, that's a pretty tight family. Studying during the week and visiting with her daughter on the weekends, Sandra just dedicated herself to achieving more for both herself and her young daughter. I love that. Once she earned her degree in psychology from the University of North Carolina in Charlotte, Sandra landed a good job in personnel at IBM and moved Sharika to Charlotte to live with her. Ooh, we got a bad bitch on our hands. Mm-hmm. Nice. So Sharika grew into a beautiful young woman while she was living in Charlotte, and she found herself a career in modeling. In addition to those modeling jobs, Sharika also took up selling real estate, and in no time she earned enough to buy herself a black BMW and a red Mitsubishi Coupe. Ooh, it's always a BMW, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Elliot Rogers is shook. <laughs> <laughs> well, this girl bought it herself. Mm. She worked for that car. Go Snaps, now. Elliot. <laughs> I can't snap. I'm not. I can't snap right now because my fingers are so sticky. Mine are too. Sharika also found work as a dancer at the Diamond Club performing for the newly rich population of Charlotte. Like NBA players from the Hornets... And NFL players from the Carolina Panthers. Dun, dun, dun. Sorry, Katie. I stole your <laughs> sound effect. It's okay. I like it. I had jello in my mouth. So we're good. I think yours is more like dun, dun, dun. Mine's like yeah. a bum, bum, bum. You guys should do it together. Mm. Probably oh, be ready? Really cool. Set. Dun, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> that was, that was awful. So acquaintances like these led Sharika to a barbecue in the summer of 1998 where she met Panthers wide receiver Ray Carruth. Immediately, Sharika and her mother Sandra found Ray handsome and charming. Standing at 5'11 and weighing 194 pounds, Carruth earned a name for himself in Colorado as the best deep root receiver in college football, which is why the Panthers made sure to secure him as their first round draft pick in 1997. 
Despite his success as a football player, Carruth continued to see himself as an intellectual. And this is the part I kind of really, really hate about him. And figured that if football didn't work out, he could always have a fallback career as a novelist, screenplay writer, or even director. Writing a novel is easy. So if this doesn't work out, I can always fall back on that because I'm so smart. Then I found this quote in an article about him. Quote, a self-described daydreamer, he's constantly scripting stories that he later tests on teammates. Vicky Michaelis of the Denver Post. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your last name. It's it's just Michael Is. That's okay. what it looks like. He can he can email us. <laughs> she her name is Vicky. I, I think sorry. she's just fine. She's she's yeah, fine. Vicky, you're gonna be fine. She wrote about him in 1995, saying his favorite right now is one he's titled Acceptance, about an alcoholic father who causes the death of his all-American son in a car accident. He and his wife later have two more sons, one who is mentally handicapped and another who is gay. For the ending, wait for the movie. What the fuck? Yeah, it's like, it's like he took every really sad family trope and threw it into a movie. It's like, you know, those um, like Twitter accounts that are just like, I made my robot watch a thousand hours of like Lifetime movies and yes. this is what it said. That's it. Yeah, that's what Ray Carruth did. <laughs> Some other things to note about Carruth are, first, at the time that he met Sharika, he already had a four-year-old son back in California. Carruth never sent the boy anything for his birthdays and refused to pay child support until the mother took him to court because she knew what was up. Mm. Even after the judge ordered him to pay $5,550 a month, Carruth managed to talk the mother down to accepting just over half of that amount with the condition that he be a better father to the boy. Let me guess, he didn't do that. Yep, and when he didn't do that, the boy's mother called Carruth again, and after an agitated conversation, the young college football player told her, quote, not to be surprised if she got into a fatal car accident. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Later, he claimed he was only joking, but what uh, kind oh, of joke so is that? so funny. Like, <laughs> newsflash, jokes are supposed to be funny. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think anyone was <laughs> laughing at that. But she okay. for sure wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Despite all of that, Carruth had moved on to another girl. Not yet Sharika. At this point, he was almost 23, while his new girl was a 17-year-old high school student in Colorado. Ew, bro. Mm-hmm. That's illegal. Enjoying his new status as a successful football star. Successful football star. <laughs> Carruth spoiled her with money, new clothes, and a Lexus. Then, when she became pregnant, he insisted that she couldn't have the baby and reportedly said, don't make me send someone out there to kill you. So she got the abortion. Oh. I don't have anything to say. Yeah, it's it's really, really terrible. Yeah. So years later, Sharika Adams was faced with the same decision. But having always wanted a family, or as she had put it, a whole football team, <laughs> Sharika made a different choice. On Mother's Day 1999, Sharika told her mother the wonderful news, and together they celebrated this beautiful gift from God. Sharika told her mother that she wanted her child to carry on his father's name, but Sandra insisted that if the couple were not married when her baby came into this world, that he would be an Adams. Good. None of this last name choice mattered at all to Ray Carruth because he didn't want her to have the baby in the first place. Of course not. Just as he had with the young girl in Colorado, Carruth told Sharika to get an abortion. But she refused. At this point, Carruth's career with the NFL had somewhat stalled. 
After making the NFL all-rookie team in 1997, he missed most of the 98 season with a broken right foot. He planned to come back stronger than ever for the Panthers in the 99 season, but in mid-October, when playing the 49ers, Carruth sprained his left ankle, which left him out of another (laughs) football season. On top of all that, he was faced with yet another pregnant girlfriend that would soon be demanding child support. Oh my God, wrap it up. Bro, just fucking Mm -hmm. pull out. Figure yourself (laughs) out, man. Yeah. Like, you can't (laughs) keep getting girls pregnant and then being like, oh, no, get an abortion. Like, it's... Well, he thinks he can. Obviously. I hate him. Just, like, learn. Like, if the first time is a mistake, like, learn from it. Exactly. But since he couldn't wrap it up and Sharika had her mind made up, Karuth had to make a choice of his own. This is when he called up a few guys that he knew that went by the nickname New York and another guy who was called Little Man. New York, who was not little at all, at six foot three and weighing in at 286 pounds, this monster of a man would reportedly do anything for money and even some things for free, including setting a neighboring inmate on fire. Ooh, this fun. man was the hitman, Van Brett Watkins. Ooh. I can actually tell you about the neighboring cellmate because he talked about it in the A&E series, The Killer Speaks, which I highly recommend. He'll tell this whole story in a very, very creepy way. So if you want it to be funny, stick around here. But if you want really creepy, (laughs) A&E, The Killer Speaks. But he talks about how he was in the cell next to another roommate. He didn't mention what prison. And the guy was just talking about his sister. Then he started talking shit about his mother, Van Brett Watkins' mother. Then he started talking shit about his grandmother. So Van Brett Watkins got like a rag or some paper or something and some gasoline that he had from like mechanics workshop or whatever they do for work there. He tossed the gas in there. Then he tossed the paper in and lit the other end of the paper and set the guy on fire from the next cell. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we got we got a bad like, bitch on talking hands. shit about my mom. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> yeah, but the way he talks about it, then he says he's not a crazed killer. He's a calculated killer. Ooh. Yeah, so he's not crazy, you guys. Just like when I'm having a mental breakdown, I'm just like, I'm not fucking crazy. So I bet you're wondering, how did NFL wide receiver Ray Carruth even come into contact with Van Brett Watkins? Yeah, that's a pretty good question now that you mention it. Well, let me tell you. Watkins met Carruth at a strip club in Charlotte, where Watkins worked. Guys, that's where we all... Wait, he worked... Was he like a bouncer or was he a stripper? Oh. (laughs) It doesn't say, but I'm going to (laughs) assume. This hitman is just like... I mean, I think he's jump on it. (laughs) I think he's of similar height and weight to Iceman, just to give you some perspective on what he what he looks like. My pony. So no, he's he's not. not (laughs) Yeah. So they met at a strip club, and Van Brett Watkins immediately didn't like Caruth because of his arrogant demeanor. Watkins claims that Caruth hired him as his bodyguard. What a bitch. Sorry. (laughs) In the interview, they asked him why he did that if he didn't like Carruth. And he says, you know, the guy had money. I mean. Which is fair. I think it's fair. Yeah. So anyway, one day Carruth approached him and offered to pay him to beat up his pregnant girlfriend and make her lose the child. What the fuck? What an asshole. Well, to this, Watkins had reportedly said, I actually think he might say this in The Killer Speaks, that he said, 
I kill people. I don't beat people up. Nice. But what are you going to pay me? (laughs) (laughs) I hate that. So he asked him how much he was willing to pay for this forced abortion. And he said $3,000. To which Watkins said, give me $3,000 now and $3,000 after. I do have a direct quote here from The Killer Speaks in which Watkins says about this particular instance. He's a piece of shit. He wanted his girlfriend beat up, but if he paid me enough, I'll beat her up. That's it. <laughs> what? Honestly, that has changed my life. I, I think I'm going to get that tatted on my back. <laughs> Watkins also insisted that Carruth came up with the plan. First, he said Watkins could meet them at the IHOP on Saturday morning. It's always a fucking IHOP or Denny's. <laughs> this, of course, would be a highly populated place. So Watkins was like, no, Ray. So then. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> we got to meet at a fucking friendly. Like, but I want pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Caruth really wanted a really good pancake breakfast, but they didn't have a Denny's, so he had to go to IHOP. <laughs> And he wanted Watkins there. So then Carruth suggested that Watkins meet them outside of a childbirth class in downtown Charlotte. What the fuck? So wait, that's fucked up. Yeah. They're meeting outside a childbirth class so he can plot to beat up his and pregnant girlfriend. Also in downtown. I know, I don't know a lot about Charlotte, North Carolina, but any downtown is highly populated. So no <laughs> again Watkins said no ray that's kind of what he sounds like it was really good. Idiot. Watkins says quote usually i get it over with like that Ooh. there was just something about this case that i didn't want to get involved in so after three months of delaying the attack caruth finally went to Watkins, insisting that it was too late sharika and her unborn son would now have to be murdered what the fuck Caruth offered him more money, $44,000 to be exact. (laughs) During their meeting, Sharika called and screamed at Caruth, who had put her on speakerphone. She was saying that she was going to have this baby no matter what he said or what he wanted. And that call is reportedly what Watkins says convinced him to take the hit. In his own words, he said, I didn't have no qualms about killing a pregnant woman. I plotted it out, and I did it quickly, and it was my toughest hit ever. I have full body chills. I'm just a little bit nauseous. That's the jello shots. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Edit that out. They're delicious. According to the testimony of Little Man, who I'm betting you forgot about, was the other guy that Caruth called. Little Man is actually Michael Eugene Kennedy. and This is what he says happened one week later on the night of November 15th, 1999. On that night, when Sharika was about seven or eight months pregnant, she got a call at her apartment from her boyfriend, Ray Carruth, inviting her out to the movies. Sharika got in her BMW and drove to his house, but when she got there, she immediately felt that something was off. On a call to her mother, Sharika said that she saw an odd transaction between Carruth and some strange men. She also noted that she had seen him whispering on the phone, Sharika reportedly said, something's not right. I don't know why I'm even here. Sandra told her daughter to cancel the movie and head back home. But then she heard Carruth convincing her to go out with him. 
So the couple got into Carruth's white Ford expedition and headed off to the Regal Cinemas, planning on returning to Carruth's house afterwards. Kennedy claims that Carruth gave him $100 to buy a gun just a few hours before the planned murder. He says that while the couple went to the movie, the three of them drove around in Kennedy's rented Nissan. It was a gold Nissan Maxima. They stopped at a grocery store, and Watkins even got a beer at a gas station. While he was buying the beer, Kennedy informed his friend, who was in the passenger seat, that this is so fucked up because he just picked up his friend because he was nervous. He informed his friend of the murder, murder plot they were about to put into action. What the fuck? The friend's like, um, can I go home? <laughs> the friend's like, oh, mom, can you pick me up? <laughs> That's exactly. His name was Stanley Abraham, and he was only 18 at the time. No. And he reportedly told Kennedy to take him home. But Kennedy didn't. No. At 11.51 p.m., Kennedy says that Carruth called him to tell him that the movie had ended and they were leaving the theater together. Carruth told Adams that he wanted to spend the night at her place, so they returned to Carruth's house to retrieve Adams's car, and the couple set off in separate vehicles to Sharika's apartment. According to Sharika's roommate at the time, she got a call at around midnight from Sharika telling her that she was heading home and Carruth was coming with her. Kennedy received another call at 12.19 a.m. in which Carruth told him to get ready. Carruth mm. led the way in his white expedition and Sharika followed behind in her BMW. Behind her was a gold Nissan Maxima that had Michael Kennedy driving, his best friend Stanley Boss Abraham in the passenger seat. I liked the boss. Because he definitely wasn't acting like a boss. He was acting like exactly how I would act in this situation. Probably shitting your pants. Like, ha, ha, this is a funny joke. Am I being punked? Ashton, come out. <laughs> and Watkins in the back. It should be noted that neither Abraham or Kennedy knew Van Brett Watkins's name. They only knew him as New York. A little ways down the road in a secluded area, Carruth hit the brakes, forcing Sharika to come to a stop behind him. At this point, the gold Maxima pulled around and stopped on her left, trapping her there. No. Van Brett Watkins pulled out a 38 revolver and fired five rounds into the BMW. Kennedy then turned the car around and headed south while Carruth pulled away in his expedition, heading to a friend's house to play video games. Uh, what the fuck? Yeah. Four of the five bullets hit their mark. Three of them lodged themselves in her flesh while one bullet tore through her left side, tearing through her abdomen, stomach, and large intestine. No. Despite the intensive damage Sharika suffered, all of the bullets missed her unborn son. Oh my god. Each of the bullets missed the uterus by only an inch or two, and Sharika Adams' unborn child was delivered by emergency C-section. Oh. <laughs> but upon his arrival into the world, the boy was blue. Although the bullets had missed the uterus, the child had been lacking oxygen for some time. No. After the C-section, Sandra ran to her daughter's side and asked her if she wanted him to be a Carruth or an Adams. With her last moment of speech, Sharika said, Adams. Okay, thank God. The premature child lives. He's Chancellor Lee Adams. I'm crying. <laughs> that was just such a roller coaster. Damn you, Shelby. You're like, they missed, but he was blue. But now he's alive. <laughs> Thanks. I'm a natural storyteller. Who are you, Shonda Rhimes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next, there's a plane crash. No, <laughs> so 
he was born and Sharika slips into a coma. But during this time, Sandra never leaves her side. But she can't help but wonder why her seemingly loving boyfriend had not come to visit his girlfriend or his newly born son. When he finally did come to visit, Karuth came with another woman and <gasps> never asked about Sharika. What the fuck? Instead, he asked Sandra if he could have a picture of the child because this would, quote, probably be the last time he ever saw him. Yeah. We're quiet because we're just planning his stuff. My jaw's on the floor. This, combined with Sharika's own description of the attack and her naming Ray Carruth, which you heard earlier in the 911 call, led police to immediately focus their investigation on him. Once they did their digging, they realized that Carruth had made a one-minute phone call just an hour or so before the shooting to Michael Eugene Kennedy, who was already on their radar as a local drug dealer. Mm. Initially, when police tracked Kennedy down, he claimed to have been out of town on that day. But luckily, cell phones existed this time, and they could ping him to being right in the exact area at the time of the shooting. Ping, ping, bitch. Stay tuned for next episode where we take a shot every time I say the word ping. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> bang, bang. When the detectives tell him that they have this and that they know he was in contact with Caruth, it still doesn't sway him. So they tell him instead that if Sharika or her son dies from the shooting, this will become a death penalty murder case. Ooh. According to one of the detectives on the case, Daryl Price, he said, I think his first comment was, I've been praying for her to live. And that's when he admitted that Ray Carruth planned the entire attack and tells the investigators what happened. Fuck yeah. But... I bet you're wondering where Van Brett Watkins is, aren't you? Taking a nap. Well, you said they don't know his name is Van Brett Watkins, so is he, like, living the dream somewhere? Well, I don't know if it's a dream. But after having eaten his traditional post-murder meal of a cheese melt omelet with onions and hash browns at a local waffle house in Charlotte, Watkins had turned up the car radio, rolled himself a thick blunt, and began the drive back to New York. <laughs> Three days after the shooting, Watkins is returned to his old neighborhood in Queens, New York. And that's when he gets a phone call from an agitated Ray Carruth. Oh, he's probably like, you missed. Can I have my money back? Carruth hasn't actually paid him yet. Oh. But he's calling to tell him that she's not dead yet. To which Watkins says, she will be. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> When Carruth would not stop calling, an irritated Watkins drove back down to Charlotte to collect his payment. Just a week after the shooting, Watkins settled back into his old home in a seedy motel in North Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> uh -uh. The next day, Carruth calls the police, asking when his car will be released from the impound lot, because they immediately impounded it when she said that he had stopped in front of her and it became a part of the crime. Good. In an effort to gain his trust, the police offer to pick him up so that he can avoid the press outside the station and bring him in to clear his name. Huh. Yeah, I love when they do this. Once they get him in an investigation room, the detectives present him with his phone records and ask him to clear up some of the phone calls for them. Ooh. They had him one by one go through the numbers and tell them who it was. But when he gets to the number for a cheap, crappy motel in North Charlotte, he just skips it. Mm. Oh, because that's not 
suspicious at all. (laughs) They would have no idea. Numbers all look the same. Mm, Yeah. So they figured since he was a wealthy NFL player, he wasn't staying there. So they immediately went to the motel to check it out. Yes. Eight days after the shooting on November 24th, 1999, while Sharika Adams lies in a coma, she's still alive. The police arrive at the motel and begin searching for their killer. Watkins has actually gone down to the clerk at the front desk when he spotted the flashing lights and asked her what was going on. What, did he like need an extra pillow or something? (laughs) And he's like, oh, shit. He just saw the police lights outside his window and decided, I'm going to go check out what's going on. Yeah. What an idiot. I would get in my car and drive away. No, let's not have (laughs) you be a paid killer. I'm just saying, why would you like go down to the front desk if you're like, oh, shit, I probably should hide. Yeah. Well, I don't know. She just told him that they were looking for someone that was there and he just went back to his room. That's it. In his own words, there was a knock at the door. So I look through the viewfinder and I see that it's the police. I go back and lay down. (laughs) I'm not going to answer the door. So the phone lights up. I got the ringer off. I'm not going to answer the phone. (laughs) If I ignore my problems, they'll go away. One time I brushed a cavity away, so. (laughs) That's not ignoring it. That's handling the problem. (laughs) So anyway, let me get back to this quote. So sorry. So they come back again. I answered the door. They said, you're wanted downtown for questioning. I said, let me get dressed. He didn't say, like, for what? He's no, just like, the detective oh, specifically mentioned that he never asked what he was coming in for. That's, like, what we talked about with Kendall Francois when he was just like, okay. It's and like, even, aren't you curious as to why we're... Yeah, yeah. any normal people person would ask, yeah. what is this about? Yeah. Guilty people. Even John uh, John List last week when he was just like, hey, are you John List? And he was just like, nah. Like, not <laughs> even like... Uh, nope. <laughs> no. Nope, Cerrone and cheese. <laughs> So finally, they get Watkins down to the station for questioning. And the Charlotte police bring back Michael Kennedy, who then positively IDs Watkins as the person he witnessed shoot Sharika Adams. So now they got him. The police then played Kennedy's testimony for Watkins, which obviously got him upset. According to Detective Tom Athey, Watkins had been rubbing his forehead and eyes as he listened to the recording and then stood up as if he was debating getting violent. Once they got him to calm down, the detectives decided to make Watkins a plate of food from the ongoing Thanksgiving party happening in the precinct. Ooh, yum. Did he get stuffing? I love stuffing. Yeah. I'm going to assume you have to have stuffing at a Thanksgiving-themed anything. As he ate, the hitman's entire demeanor changed. Because when you give somebody food, they're just happy. You just can't... Especially (laughs) stuffing, you guys. It's just... Every everybody should have stuffing during their interrogation. They would immediately crack. <laughs> They'd be like, you know, you're cool. Yeah, I shot that bitch. <laughs> Can I have some more turkey? <laughs> stuffing. Anyway, sorry. Watkins stated that he would talk if he knew that the man that hired him would also take some of the heat. The detectives told him that at that moment, Ray Carruth had been put in custody and was being arrested on the same charges. But in order to convince them, they put on the press conference that was going on. In this conference, it is clearly stated to the public that in the case of Sharika Adams, the department had arrested Ray Carruth. And as soon as he hears that, Watkins stops eating and says, let's go back into the room. I'll tell you what happened. Oh, my God. Chills. Chills. 
So after hearing the confessions that police took from Kennedy, Abraham, and Watkins, Carruth didn't give one. They took them all into custody on November 25th, 1999. Again, Carruth because he was a rich NFL player, was the only one that could make bail. He's the only one that could get out. But he was released on the condition that if Sharika died, he would surrender himself over to authorities. What the fuck? That's She's it? still in a coma. Yeah. That's it. Well, he has enough money to pay the bail. So, yeah, that's it. All right. So we're going to start a GoFundMe account to hire a murderer <laughs> for this dude. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 like, just like... But it's like... Aren't there cases where they won't release people on, like, there's no bail? Why did that not happen? Because yeah. they wanted his money? Because they'd be like, oh, I could set it for millions of dollars and we'd get it because he's rich? Well, I think because yeah. it wasn't yet a murder trial, they yeah. couldn't hold any of them without bail. Yeah, and you But Carruth was the only one that could pay it. Yeah. Anyway, so Carruth gets out on bail on the condition that if Sharika dies, he surrenders himself to the police. Well, on December 14th, 1999. No. Four weeks after the attack, Sharika Adams was taken off of life support. Oh, my God. Now the case was a capital murder trial. Upon hearing the news, the police immediately dispatched to Ray Carruth's residence to serve him with the arrest warrant for murder. But he wasn't there. What the fuck? Of course he wasn't. He probably fled because he's like, oh, shit. He did. He went on the run. Do you know who this pissed off more than anybody in the world? Me. <laughs> I was going to say, me? Van Brett Watkins. Oh. Ooh. It infuriated him, not only that the man had hired him and he was getting away, but that this man was such a coward. Ooh. Truth. In his own words, if you want to get me mad, if you want to see me hyped up, just mention his name. <laughs> <laughs> at me and like 90 people <laughs> so the next day on december 15th the fbi tracks caruth down to a best western in rural tennessee <laughs> Fucking best western. he had been hiding in the trunk of yet another woman's car with a bottle to pee in and thirty nine hundred dollars cash who keeps fucking this dude i don't know like uh, i don't know i'm sorry in the trunk of her car yeah. peeing in a water bottle how is he like? Bre- how long is he in the trunk for? It's I have Tennessee no too. idea. Does he get? Uh, how do you get oxygen? I'm confused. I you can breathe in a trunk. Okay, but like if you leave a kid in a hot car, they die. Why wouldn't he die in a hot trunk? Because he's not in the windows. Oh. <laughs> Carry on. Okay. <laughs> so Caruth pleads not guilty, which only fuck? serves to further infuriate Watkins. At the trial, Watkins spoke as a witness for the prosecution and says of Carruth, This is the shit I was referring to. You didn't stand up. I stood up for mines. I said that I did it. That's the stupid motherfucker that got me in this bullshit. <laughs> I love him. I know. Right? I mean, it's, like, I like you. I mean, he's a terrible but, like, person, but I like, own up to your shit. Yeah. I mean, I wish he didn't do it, but like, same. I also like, wish he didn't do it. He's like, now, this is the shit I was... Fu- I told you guys. Like, this is the <laughs> shit I was talking about. Yeah. So... Oh, my God. This is my favorite part. And you can actually look this up. You can watch the this part of the trial. Watkins is being escorted out of the courtroom. And he looks at Carruth one last time and asks, Are you happy now? I, I, I like him, too. 
not as a murderer like you're a terrible person but your attitude is gold yeah (laughs) he later said of caruth quote being pissed off at ray is definitely personal ray hired me to kill his baby mama i should let it go but there's no letting go let it go let it go <laughs> i feel like you paused because you knew i was gonna do that yeah i was waiting for it i feel like i just need a shower how's do you know how the baby's doing the baby's all, like yeah we'll get there okay let's get through everybody's trial first. okay that's fair I, i'm sorry i'm worrying about the little thing well, let's start with the poor stanley abraham who's again 18 <sighs> at the time where he was basically abducted into a car <laughs> yeah. by his best friend he pleaded guilty to charges of accessory after the fact to assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill, inflicting serious injury. Don't worry, though. The trial was in um, 2001. He's released in later 2001. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, he he didn't serve a lot of time. But Stanley he, learned his lesson. And he's like, I'm not. Yeah, he's out, not he's, friends with that guy no. anymore. Kennedy avoided the possibility of a death sentence by pleading guilty to second degree murder conspiracy to commit murder shooting into an occupied vehicle and attempting to destroy an unborn child kennedy was sentenced to more than 11 years in prison he was released in july 2011 oh god buckle up despite hearing both watkins and kennedy's testimony against caruth ray caruth was acquitted of a first degree murder charge (gasps) what the fuck Mm -hmm. he was instead convicted of conspiracy to commit murder shooting into an occupied vehicle, and attempting to destroy an unborn child. He was sentenced to 18 to 24 years. Caruth only served 18 years and was released on October 22nd, 2018. We can kill him. We have the technology. Well, we... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can't. I cannot freaking... What is he doing now? He just like... Is he back in the NFL? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's actually a journalist. Can I draft him on my fantasy team? No. I'm just kidding. There are a lot of pretty terrible people in the NFL, but one great thing about them is they don't allow murder. I want to cover Ray Lewis next. Okay. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time, people. I met him. He's a lovely man. Continue. I don't think Van Brett Watkins pled guilty to a second degree murder charge, conspiracy to commit first degree murder, discharging a firearm into occupied property, and attempting to kill Adams's unborn baby. Watkins was sentenced to a maximum of 50 years. He will be in jail until at least 2048, when he will be 85. After 14 years in prison, Watkins has had a lot of time to think about that night. In a moment in the A&E show, The Killer Speaks, which I've plugged a ton of times here. Hey, A&E, hit us up. <laughs> this week's episode is sponsored by A&E. Also, A&E. maybe put a third season on Hulu. Just saying. <laughs> he said this in the episode. And this is interview style. So oh we're going to put on a play for you, Katie. Are you ready? Give me a fucking Are you shot. ready for our Broadway moment? I'll be Watkins. Okay. <clears throat> I'm sorry for what I did. How long did it take you to get to that point of feeling sorry? Many years. What changed me a lot was how Sandra Adams wrote me in prison and said that she forgives me and that I should find forgiveness for myself. I learned how to live with myself. However, he still hasn't managed to forgive Ray Carruth. Watkins' final message in his episode of The Killer Speaks says, and this is in response to the interviewer saying, if you were in front of Ray Carruth right now, what would you say? It's not over yet, Ray. It's not over as long as I live. Ooh, fuck 
guys. Isn't that amazing? But also, he's not getting out on parole. I'm so sorry. He's like, it's like he did he like look at the camera and be like, oh yeah, it's an amazing moment and it's super creepy and I loved it. But that guy really fucked himself. They're not gonna let him out on parole. Although I would because we don't need Ray Carruth on our team. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're gonna get back into the Adams family. Da na na na. Da na na na. So Tierney Winstead, like stop. I was Wednesday Adams for Halloween when I was a child, and my whole family thought I was a pilgrim. <laughs> just so you know, everybody also found that just as funny as Tierney, but you can only hear Tierney. Anyway, as you heard in the interview, Sandra Adams wrote to Van Brett Watkins. She also wrote to the other three, including Caruth to forgive them for the murder of her daughter. She said, in the show, The Killer Speaks, she says, when you don't forgive, you stay stuck. It's like taking poison and hoping the other person is going to die. Which is a pretty profound thing to say. Yeah. Chancellor Lee Adams lives with cerebral palsy that he developed shortly after the birth. No. Baby. Although she's had to fight for it, Sandra has maintained permanent custody of Chancellor. In 2004, a judge found Carruth liable for the wrongful death of Sharika Adams, and he was ordered to pay Sandra $5.8 million in damages. Fuck yeah. But at this point, Carruth had little to no money. It was just one more thing for Sandra to forgive. So he never paid her that? No. Because he didn't. Chancellor competes in the Special Olympics and even won gold in the 30 meters with his motorized wheelchair in April of 2014. He also plays flag football with other children of similar abilities. And with the help of his G-mom, which is what he calls Sandra. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard. Chancellor has not only survived, but he's thriving. This coming November, he will turn 20 years old. Oh, baby. Um, So I can leave you with this beautiful quote from Sandra. She said, you can focus on what you've lost or what you have left. So I didn't lose. I have my grandson and I have my daughter with me in my heart always. I have her with me through Lee. So I don't focus on loss. I mean, I think she's in heaven with God. So that's definitely not a loss. So I've got a lot left and a lot of hope left and a lot to live for and to be able to help my grandson to become the wonderful man he's meant to be. I haven't lost anything. That was fucking amazing. She's a beautiful person. She is amazing. <laughs> oh my god, are you okay? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Tierney's like bawling right now. That was <laughs> that was so beautiful. I love her. <laughs> oh my god. Just in a fair warning, and maybe this will already be up. I have a bunch of super cute pictures of Sandra and Chancellor. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> I can't wait to see them. <laughs> but yeah, they're doing pretty great. That makes me so happy. It makes me really happy that Ray Carruth has nothing to do with. You want to hear something else really beautiful about him? He knows Chancellor. She told him, like, I don't know how much she told him, but he knows. And he says, Mommy Angel isn't here anymore. Daddy did something bad. Oh my god. But he calls her mommy angel. Isn't that the sweetest thing? So does he have contact with his son? No. Okay. 
He has basically as soon as he was brought in and charged with murder, he started trying to see his son. I believe, and actually John, my boyfriend listeners, has, I've told him this case a million times, so he won't be listening, so it doesn't matter. But (laughs) he thinks that it was like a ploy from his lawyers to Mm -hmm. try and get people to Mm -hmm. think that he was actually a good dad and trying to be a good dad. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. But he said when he was released that he would love to have a connection with his son. But Sandra has permanent custody. She's never going to let that happen. Good. Good. We love Sandra. Yeah. We love you. We did it. We only shed a few tears. That was... I didn't mean to make it cry. It's okay. It was just so beautiful. (laughs) It's really beautiful. She's a really beautiful woman. And I don't know that I can embrace that kind of forgiveness for people. But it's really beautiful that she did. Yes. So for today's caboose, I'm going to tell a spooky story. And I know our caboose is usually supposed to be like to get your mind off of creepy things like this. But I found out that apparently neither of my friends here have heard me tell this story before. And it's very bizarre. When I studied abroad in England, I met a girl who I guess when I say it like this, it sounds like it's definitely not true. But her brother's co-worker's sister is the person this has happened to. Um, Whether or not it's true, it's just so spooky that this is even like a thought that has happened. So um, let's suspend our belief for a second. The setting is in Italy. And this girl is on vacation. And it's her last day before she flies back to America. And so she's in a nightclub. And she starts dancing with this boy. And he's kind of cute. So she turns around and they start to, you know, kiss a little bit, get a little little friendly. After a little bit, this man invites this girl back to his apartment to continue their night. And the girl says, I'm so sorry. I really would love to. You seem really great. But I have to catch a flight in the morning. So I need to go back to my hotel and pack my things. And I just I can't. And so he is kind of disappointed because he really liked her. But he said, you know what? If you change your mind, here's my address. And he gives her a sheet of paper that has his address written on it. And she puts it in her pocket and she kind of thinks nothing of it because she knows she's not going to go there. She has too much to do. So the next morning she gets on the flight. She goes back to America. Everything is fine. And in the Next week that she's home, she starts developing a rash and it's on her lips and on her neck and it starts as a rash and it starts to turn like a dark brown blackish color. Oh no. And she goes to two or three doctors and none of them can tell her what it is. And finally she gets a call from her doctor's office and they say, you need to come into our office immediately. So she gets in her car and she drives to the doctor. When she enters the office, the FBI is waiting for her. We've all been there. (laughs) I've literally said nothing this whole time, guys, because my jaw is on the floor. So they call her into a room and they say, we don't want to scare you. But have you been dating anybody new recently that maybe you don't know too well? She's like, no, I don't know. And then she remembers this guy from Italy and says, you know what? I did meet this guy. I didn't, we're not dating or anything, but we 
like kissed and we're making out a little bit and but I'm not seeing him anymore. And the FBI is like, do you have any information on this man? We need to know who this is. And she's like, I'm sorry, like, why? What's going on? And they say, don't freak out. But the substance that caused this rash is a chemical that cannibals put on their victims to decay their flesh before they eat them. Bruh. But they, but don't freak out though. <laughs> but don't freak out though. Well, they're trying to get her to stay calm. So how? I don't, I don't know. Wait, so, so, why so they say calm. to her, I know. <laughs> so they say to her, do you have any information? Do you have his name? Do you know anything about him? And she's thinking and she remembers. I have his address. He gave me his address. So she goes home. She finds the sheet of paper that's still in her jeans and brings it to the FBI. And they go to his apartment in Italy. And they find dismembered bodies in his freezer. Oh, my God. So if this girl had gone to his apartment that night, she would be dead. Oh, my God. Can I just... And that's my story. Wait, Wait, I I have have so many questions. I have a few. (laughs) One of them is, so why is it only like human flesh that they use that thing on them? I literally don't know. I heard this story and I was like, holy shit, I haven't looked into it. I, I don't know. I'm going to look into it in the middle of the night. All of my questions were also about that. (laughs) I don't know a lot about it. Why would they decay the flesh? What chemical was it? I don't know. And also, did did it get healed? Is she okay? She's fine. I think she's fine. Um, (laughs) They do that so that it's easier to like pull their flesh off their bones because it tenderizes it. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> I I've never looked into it. It could be completely bullshit. Wait, I should not look this up. But when I'm don't look it up right now. Like, but when I heard this story, I was like, oh shit. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't like it. Could just be a spooky story that's not real, but yeah. I when I heard it, I was probably a little Some- tipsy and I was like, oh my god, what? <laughs> Somehow yeah, that's where cool. I'm at right now. Somehow I can't cool. believe I haven't just- told you that before. Me either. Maybe you yeah. have and I forgot it, but it was just as good if this was the second time. Thanks. Oh, my God, a cat. But as a caboose to that caboose, because we need one after that. Yeah, this is um, this is not any better, but I just wanted to put a PSA out there because I just learned this. Ooh. If somebody puts cyanide in your drink, it'll smell like toasted almonds. Just wanted to say that. Dunkin Donuts is I was to kill literally all. Dunkin Donuts is shaking right now. No, I just wanted everybody to know. I saw that on some investigation discovery. I think it was Neighbor Next Door. I love all investigation discovery shows. But this one, I think somebody spiked, yeah, somebody spiked the water cooler in an office. It didn't kill their intended victim. It killed a completely innocent person. This person is a dick. But not the person that died, the person that spiked the water cooler. But the detective smelled it and was literally like, that's cyanide. And I was blown away that he immediately knew the scent of cyanide. That's terrifying. Yeah, isn't it? Because I would not notice that. Don't drink the almond water. Just don't drink from public water coolers i guess yeah just keep it safe (laughs) just only closed sealed water bottles as our caboose cubed don't forget to check us out on instagram and facebook and uh, the website for all the sources and the written out drink recipes yes Yes. it'll all be linked in our show notes of this episode and we hope that you check it all out give us a follow and if you're listening on apple please give us a five-star review we appreciate your feedback that would be really cool 
please find us at dead drunk crime there you go <laughs> and then our email is dead drunk at gmail.com yeah if you want to email us you can email us questions that'd be fun or something else you want to see in the caboose um case suggestions if you have a case that you think we would enjoy to cover random questions no nudes please um yeah keep the penis in your pants unless you're it's you taking off your pet's collar that's fine i'll accept that nude <laughs> send us pictures of your puppets Ooh, yes, yay puppet what does that mean puppy yeah but like why do they say puppet we're no, talking about crime junkie yeah. crime junkie don't sue us um <laughs> <laughs> i think i think they're fine <laughs> yeah all right so bye mom bye, bye. janice